Uh, hello, my name is William Burnett and you're watching Talk Video. I'm seated here with Veronica Vasica and uh, we're going to have a free-form discussion about music and uh, life and uh, the road uh, that we've been on so far. So um, there's no real format. This is the first episode, so uh, forgive any uh, weirdness, but it's going to get weird. So uh, hello. <laughs> Thank you for coming by. Thank you for doing the first show. It's good to be here. Um, you made it o over okay in the snow? Yeah, the one and only snowstorm of 2019. <laughs> and your shoes are okay? Yep. What, you, you took a, a Uber or you walked? I took an Uber pool. Uber pool. Who are you <laughs> sharing with? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> so, so you just <laughs> get the... But they call it an Uber pool. Oh, so you just get a discount. Just Yeah. And how much does that cost? Like $3? It was $3. Oh, man, that's nice. It's a great service they've come up it with. It is. <laughs> so um, those of you who don't know uh, Veronica, she's a... A New Yorker, I would say, and uh, most people know her from. Uh, she has a label called Minimal Wave that started as a, a radio show, and um, now she's uh, DJing and uh, maybe doing some music and stuff like that. So uh, I just want to kind of start at the beginning and uh, tell me if I'm asking too personal of questions. But uh, you're uh, originally from. You're born here in New York City. Yeah, I was born in Coney Island. Born in Coney... They have a hospital in Coney Island? Coney Island Hospital. Oh, man. And uh, I don't think anybody knows that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Coney I've never Island even hospital. gotten out of the car in Coney Island. Do you ever go back? Yeah, on occasion, but not, <laughs> not to the hospital. <laughs> what do you do in Coney Island? <laughs> well, there are all those Russian shops and uh, specialty shops, and then there's the Ferris wheel and all that other stuff, oh. roller coaster. Come on. I, only, I always like see that there's like a nice park. The boardwalk. I never, yeah, one day I'll get out of the car, but I don't know. Now that they fixed the highway, you just shoot right through, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, born in, born in Coney Island and, uh, did you, uh, you went to high school there? No, I went to high school in Manhattan. So you, so you, so you moved or we, your parents were living in West Village first. Okay. And then they went to Coney Island to have you. No, no, no. They were both working in Coney Island hospital. Ah, okay. And so yeah. t tell us a little bit about your parents is... My mom's from Uruguay, Okay. and my dad was from the Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia. He escaped in 1951, and they met in 1968 in New York City. Okay, and they were both working at Coney Island Hospital. Yeah, he was a doctor, and she was a nurse. Oh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy. And then, uh, so, they moved from, so you grew up in the West Village, and, uh, Spent your formative years. What happened? Uh, no, mostly around the time that I started growing up was when we moved to the Upper East Side. Okay, so and that's like where your mom still lives now. Yeah. Same place or same area. Yeah. So that's like a up there, like nineties, nineties yeah. in York or something like that. Full yeah. on, full on Upper East Side. Totally. And uh, did you go to Asphalt Green? Yeah. That's to Asphalt Green. <laughs> I worked there for one week. Um, but I spent a lot of time going downtown okay, and, and being kind of upset about not living in the West Village anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and what, and at what age did you start doing that, that you realized that you wanted to go downtown? Oh, probably 12. 12 years old. So you're hopping on the train or the bus? The train. The train. The train yeah. downtown, getting out, what, and, uh, Saint Astor Mark's Place. Place. Oh, Saint, Saint yeah, Mark's. Yeah, Astor Place. And, Astor uh, Place. going to, what, uh, St. Mark's and cruising, looking at Mohawks. Yeah, and then going to the West Village, all those record shops that used yeah, to be there, yeah. Leaker Bob's, um, Second Coming, 
I don't remember that. Um, Sounds on St. Mark's Place, another record shop. And uh, and uh, what was your what was the the go to place? Like what would be your rounds? Like you'd get out at Astor Place and then you'd what uh, get an ice cream. <laughs> we would go to Dojo's. It was like the Dojo's, vegetarian think, restaurant. Yeah, I remember it's still St. there. St. Mark's or is it still there? No. It must, shut down. Oh, there was also dojos in the West Village that shut down. Oh man! It's recently. Not, yeah. So it's all gone. And so, so you go to dojo. Who would you go with? Echo. Oh, with Echo. Okay, so Echo. Uh, Echo Danan. Hello, Echo. <laughs> and uh, she, so these two 12 year old girls. Let's call at that them point teen- we teenagers. Were, okay, fourteen at that point. Fourteen, fifteen. Cruising the village, New York City. This is what? Uh, what? Late eighties. Early nineties. And uh, um, so, like, what? That's like a what's popular at that time early. That's like uh, when college and alternative rock became grunge. Yeah, and you guys not were, you yet. Were, not, not yet. yet. No. I mean, we were into like goth and um, so the Cure, and New Wave, Depeche Mode. Yeah, Depeche Mode, Sisters of Mercy, Death in June, oh, Christian man. Death. And uh, so you wore like Bauhaus. So I painted my jacket, my leather jacket. <laughs> uh, what did it say? It had Bauhaus, it had Christian Death, it had The Cure. <laughs> Did you have to sneak um, it out of the house? No, no, I wore it with pride every day to school and everything. I wore it every single day. So your day. mother your mother, and father saw this, this leather jacket and they were yeah. okay with it? Not really, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't only the leather jacket, it was like the knee-high boots, the Doc Martens and the fishnets and the right. ripped band t-shirts and all that. You know? Sounds dangerous. Um, and, yeah. and you were cruising, and you were at, at this point, you were uh, music was the big thing. So you were buying what cassettes and uh, CDs and or records or whatever. All format. of it, records, cassettes, CDs. I was actually working at a record shop near school on Eighty Sixth Street. Okay, and when was like Tower Records or something? That was HMV. HMV. Okay, pretty cool. So I was working the counter after school, like. Um, you know, the cash register? Yeah. <laughs> and But they didn't have, at that point, they phased out all their vinyl. So they were just selling CDs in those the long cardboard box. yeah. boxes. <laughs> and I collected the cardboard boxes and I, like, posted them all over my wall. I would just put them on the walls. Yeah. Do you still have some of them? No. Oh. You know what happened? No, I went. I went home one time, and my parents had like my like Beastie Boys "Check Your Head" long box, and they were like, "Do you want this?" And I was like, "Uh, "I don't know." It's probably worth something now. Yeah, I don't like five (laughs) dollars. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so cruising around. um, This is young Veronica, just to get an idea, and then uh, uh, after. So you were cruising the record stores. You mentioned Bleaker Bob's. Um, I don't know what what were the biggest ones to go to get the best stuff, like uh, as a kid, like. Bleaker Bob's, yeah. definitely. Um, that place sounds that I told you about in St. Mark's. Uh, Tower Annex. Tower Annex was which, like the. Which one was Sounds? That was it was on the same block as Kim's video, like that same side, but just further down. Yeah. And I can, I remember. But that. there was another one across the street too. Yeah, there was a um, bunch. There's one that now is on Metropolitan Avenue. Norman Sound and Vision. Right. Okay. Um, is it the same guy? I, don't I think so. Weird. Yeah, same logo and everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, we didn't see. We didn't really pay attention to the names of the stores. It was more like, okay, we're gonna go there. There, we're gonna get some cigarettes. We're gonna go to um, get a turkey sandwich, like share a sandwich, and go to Tompkins Square Park. 
and listen to music on the Walkman, like share the headphones. Yeah. And that was our day. That was our afternoon. Well, it doesn't sound so bad. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. So, 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 you, and then eventually, I guess you started going to some concerts and stuff like that around there. Well, yeah, we were going to clubs at that time. Oh, so this was a little more free, free time when they would just, you had fake IDs this was, you bought on St. Mark's also, and they would let on you on 42nd Street. 42nd Street, okay. Yeah. Do you have a good uh, buy your ID story? Do you remember the day you got your fake ID? I don't remember. Um, but I do remember around that time. Like falling into this whole gambling, like New York City gambling uh, on the streets, you know, when they used to do oh. this, like. Oh, with the three card Monty. <laughs> that and the cups with the. Oh, find the ball, find the ball. Yeah, that. And uh, I mean, I like I, I lost 20 bucks and that was memorable and that, that was it. ended and your just, gambling career. I just thought, but I was so convinced. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to win 40 from this. <laughs> so but, so you got your fake ID you're going to clubs what I mean that this is like a where are you going you're going to like the limelight like Roxy and these like no yeah no we went to Roxy but they didn't have the same kind of we're really into this underground you know goth synth so like new wave thing my life with the thrill cult yeah this. Uh, that club called Ward 6 that moved it around a few times it was at the bank and then it moved to um Someplace on Union Square. Um, there was, yeah, there was, oh, there was the Palladium. Okay. Um, There's like a special room in the Palladium that was dedicated to this like underground. Yeah, now there's a pool there and I, and I worked there for a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like where the dance floor was, I think. Is that uh, sad? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do, you know? Um, so, so this, you had pretty good childhood. No, no, no run-ins with the law or anything, just. Got it. You got into you know, college. I was pretty lucky because I I was really into graffiti and I was doing a lot of graffiti but as like well. With a marker or spray paint? With spray paint. And uh, <laughs> yeah, nobody. Really what what was this. your tagger name? But this was before the record shops. This was like when I was fourteen and into Bad Brains. But what, and, what um, were you? What was your tag? Onyx. Like, o n i x. Onyx. <laughs> That's cool. Onyx. <laughs> and what does that come from? Onyx, like the stone O N Y X, it's a black stone, you know. And onyx. because there was the hip hop group, you had to use the the I instead of the Y. No, I I wasn't <laughs> no, totally out of the loop. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, can you still ha do your tag or, or? Yeah, I can, can do it. There's a star up? in the eye. Man, I gotta see that one day. But yeah, we would tell each other's mom. <laughs> like I would tell my mom I'm sleeping at Amy's house, and Amy would tell her mom. I'm um, sleeping at Veronica's house, and then we would go out with our there's you know those Manhattan Portage bags. Yeah, yeah. So we would fill those up with spray cans and go and tag and. I don't know. Do you think your parents knew what was going on? They caught on finally. Yeah, they caught on. <laughs> They're like, what? See paint on your hands all the time, or? No, no, they caught on about the sleepover, the reverse. Oh, okay. They started. Ta the parents oh. were talking, and they were trying to, you know locate us one day and it was like then we yeah we got into trouble well that's a, uh, and then amy said oh i needed to get uh tampons <laughs> we needed to go to like cvs and get tampons at four in the morning it was like lie on top of lie oh lord oh, i'm surprised you made it out <laughs> i know right? sounds dangerous so um so but you were you were a good enough student and a, and a child to, and you made it into college right? yeah and it was like an honors and 
Well, I graduated with honors in arts, in the art, in fine arts. Which and you went? In, which which high college. school did you go to? I went to Dalton. Where's that? 89th Street. Okay, I don't know anything about New York City schools at all. Is it like Dalton a, like like art-based art school or? They had a photography. They had okay. a photo lab. They okay. had. A, it's a progressive school. I mean, they had in ninth grade. We had a class called Literature of Social Protest, like and women's lit, which is unheard of in the you know in the yeah. late 90s or no it was early 90s mm-hmm. at that point it's like I, I i don't know what to compare it to i, I went to public school in san antonio texas um yeah so um so at that school you were doing some photography and stuff like that and then you went on you went to RISD for college yeah in, i studied in, photography there and uh did anything exciting happen there oh yeah <laughs> I mean, that's a whole nother... Or, or did I miss anything before you go to... I mean, I was actually... I took that graffiti thing to the next level. I was doing street art okay. where I would do stencils. I would make these big stencils and um, measure the ad space on the backs of buses, public buses. And I would do these, make these posters, Xerox posters. And then at four o'clock in the morning, I'd wheat paste onto these buses. And then the next day, I would like document with the high eight camera... Like document the bus going through town with the high video with my new ad on eight. the back. So you would, yeah. where where would you keep your wee paste at? <laughs> in the in, in the well, we paste. The basement? <laughs> you can just mix it fresh. It's like, but uh, you need like a bucket and like yeah, a I had it in the back of the of my little pit, uh, hatchback. Oh, in your car. <laughs> I had a little uh, hatchback that I got for really cheap. With tinted windows, like black with tinted windows, some Japanese uh, one-off. It wasn't a Mazda, but it was. I think it had like a Mazda motor or something. But, <laughs> you, don't, you don't remember what your car was? Well, it was actually an American car, but the inside, when you opened it, it was actually a Mazda motor. So I don't, I don't know if someone built it or. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It looked like a little Honda Civic. And what co- like, what color was it? Black. Black. It went black with black tinted windows. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. So you drove that on up to RISD with your uh, wheat paste in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then you wheat, wheat. No, I didn't get that car till I was like 20. Oh, okay. And so, then I was doing it at that time. Oh, okay. Oh, so um, this is not in... Okay, so that makes yeah, a lot more sense. I thought you were like driving around Manhattan with a... Yeah, low no, rider, no, no. no, okay. no, no, no. All right. it makes more sense in. in but it was—it's not a low rider. It's just a really small <laughs> hatchback. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the clarification. Um, so I don't—I mean, Rhode Island—I'm not very familiar with, but I know that uh, when I meet people from Rhode Island, they're—they're they're always like weird art school kids. Um, yeah, it's filled with weird art school kids. I mean, what? It's like one—is it? Are the, is that one of those colleges with no grades? Or kind of free form um, no no we had grades um it's not but like, it's really geared towards art and and so um, did you have so like yeah. a crew you hung out with or yeah anybody came from new york with you or you just met a whole new bunch? i met a whole new bunch of people and are you still in touch with any of them now or yeah actually one of them's hasham barucha he's uh he was in the in lightning bolt oh okay and now he does soft circle. He okay. does like a lot of collage and design. 
He lives two blocks away. Okay, and you guys like walked across the stage, graduated together? No, he was a year younger. Oh, okay. But we were in the photo department and we hung out all the time. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And uh, uh, what is, was there like a, some formative moments from your uh, college experience or just kind of just basic growing up stuff? I learned how to play the drums. And, the, and I played with Brian from Lightning Bolt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I really wanted to learn and... Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, and you had like a, a practice space or you just went to somebody's house or you used the school? They had, they had a warehouse called Fort Thunder. And they would Fort do... Fort Thunder. Fort Thunder. Fort Thunder. They would do all their silk screening there and they were really into like making comic books. And they were both, um, like the main guys that were there were in the printmaking department okay. at RISD. So they're making zines and flyers and Yeah, and then and doing their band... Which they're still doing to this day. Okay. Lightning Bolt. Yeah, I've heard of them before. I don't know. Check them out. Yeah, that's like one of those two-member bands, and they play really loud. Yeah. Yeah, I think I might have seen them before, but I can't remember. Um, interesting. But yeah, that was, uh, I mean, Brian and I used to have lots of adventures of that I can't really talk about. <laughs> but it went beyond uh, the wheat pasting and, you know, Spray paint. But one, I mean, a really, a really interesting <laughs> project that I did was changing the uh, stop signs to read play Ooh. and make, <laughs> making a stencil that said play. And, and you would replace the entire... No, I would just spray, spray red and then do the stencil in white. <laughs> and no one ever found out it was you. No, I mean, I we actually had a performance art class, and I didn't. That was my performance. I didn't want to do like a typical, you know, art school performance. So you you put so you I, videotaped. Yeah, you're like, I would Check have out what a I friend look, videotape. Look at these crimes me. I committed. <laughs> yeah, basically. Hey, you get an A. You get an a. <laughs> yeah. And your parents knew about this project, or <laughs> no? I don't think they, <laughs> they knew. They just saw the grades. They didn't know. What kind of they professors? They're like. They, but I mean, anything goes at RISD. That was the beauty of it. But shouldn't they like Although when call you get out of school, then it's like the harsh reality of life kicks in. Oh. At 22 and you're back in New York and you're like, oh, now what? You can move <laughs> to Williamsburg. <laughs> That's what I did. So, so, so you, you made it through art school without getting arrested. Mm -hmm. And your parents are still happy with you. Maybe. Sort yeah. of. You still talk to them. And uh, you moved to Williamsburg. And this is what? This is by now what? Mid-90s, mid to late-90s? Yeah, like... When was it? 97? 97. You moved to Williamsburg and you get a loft. First, we had a uh, railroad apartment on Grand Street. Okay, Grand. But where? Like and then closer Grand to the Grand off of Union. Off of Union. So by, you 455 went, Grand Street. So you would go to Kellogg's yeah. and hang out, eat egg sandwiches at Kellogg's. Yeah, we went to <laughs> Kellogg's. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, I didn't move here till 99, so I don't. But yeah, no, it was there. It was there. Yeah. But there wasn't much else there. Like nothing. I mean, my mom came and cried the first time she visited. <laughs> How can you live here? This is just so depressing. <laughs> this is awful. Um, well, she's right. I mean, yeah, like, and now that that building that we lived in sold for $4 million last year. So. Oh, yeah, well, well you should have bought it when it was $75,000. <laughs> um, so... You, and who are you living with at the, at this moment? You're still I was living Echo with Eunice Kim, who was in textiles at RISD. Okay. She's she's Korean. She now lives in the West Coast, 
um, yeah, we were sharing an apartment. And at that point, we really got that place because it was a good deal. It was a floor through. And we were on the hunt to find a loft. But we didn't, it was like we needed the time to do that. Sorry, go ahead. So we found, within a year, we found a loft on uh, Java Street off of West. Okay. 6,000 square feet. Yeah, it's like $800 or something. It, we paid $200 each. Um, <laughs> but we had more people involved. Yeah. So yeah, the total was like 950 or something when we moved in. And that, that was like, Greenpoint was like a uncharted territory. It was like so, no man's land. Yeah. There was like dirt roads. Yeah, it was. I mean, the G train would run once an hour. It was like, yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna just. I mean, I would just walk from the Bedford L. And so, what's every day? What are you doing for money at this point? Are you you're working as you're doing photography stuff or music? No, or no, no. Art? I got a nine to five through the New York Times. I got well. I needed. I didn't. I wasn't living at home. Doing photography or? No, I was doing graphic design. Oh, okay. I was working for a printing company that was doing like weird mail order ads and just really low end stuff. Mm -hmm. And I learned Quark Express and Illustrator, Photoshop and all that, um, working in this 20 on 23rd street, this nine to five. Oh, weird. And it was weird. Yeah. And I lit, I had a small room. It was the art department was me and one other guy. Okay. My supervisor, <laughs> which is just weird. And uh, he would just assign me these these projects. Like, okay, we just photographed these stuffed animals, these like 10 stuffed animals. I want you to put the product code under each one. And then I want you to drop the logo in and then put like the address of the company. That's, you know. So he'd give me all the text. He would handwrite the text. Mm -hmm. And then I would insert it digitally. Um Sounds very gratifying. I did that for a year. Or, yeah, to the day. A year, and then I quit that job. So that, so you just told yourself, I'm going to try this for a year, and, and then you're like, this sucks. Well, no, I wanted, so I really wanted to learn graphic okay. design. Okay. Um, Shouldn't you have like learned that at school? Yes and no. I didn't want that formal training. I just wanted to know the programs. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess computers weren't such a part of... Yeah, school. it was just the beginning of Yeah, they were computers. barely, you like used a computer, but just to like type up your paper or something. Yeah, but, you... um, but I was also doing photography freelance at that time for Index okay. Magazine. And that was when there was still like money in magazines and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't much, but you to get, get like $150 for one shot was yeah. pretty good. If you did enough work. Do you, have, do, you have, do you remember any of the, pro the projects you worked on for Index Magazine? Yeah, I tracked down uh, Genesis Peorage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was living in Brooklyn. He, she. Um, I went to this thing called an industrial music conference at Lincoln Center. And it was members of Einster's End Neubauten and uh, who else? I mean, Genesis Peorage was there. It was like uh, all these industrial band guys that were talking. And uh, I snuck into that because the passes were like $250 for the weekend. So I talked to the security guard downstairs and I said, oh, my friend Genesis is speaking now. I really would like to see him. And then they radioed him and then they let me upstairs. And basically he had been my idol all through high school. 
Um, so I wanted to meet him and interview him for, and photograph him for Index. So I met him, and at that time it was the beginning of his transformation. And um, he was really open to yeah being interviewed and photographed. So I photographed him at, in my bedroom where I grew up, where I went to high school, like my parents childhood bedroom <laughs> yeah and then you got like sandwiches afterwards <laughs> um <laughs> no but uh <laughs> but so uh, yeah uh, it, uh, and so that's your first like you, you, before so, I was that, you doing, were just doing, so during the graphic design period i was doing this also really interesting uh portrait work okay this is what i'm saying this freelance like every month i would do some kind of I mean, the freelance wasn't paying much for magazines. I was also doing, I think right after that, I started working at Time Out, like okay. after graphic design, yeah. after doing that, uh, doing photography. And these are just, you, they send you Odd out jobs. On like, I want you to photograph this restaurant. It just opened. Uh, you know, can you go shoot the restaurant tonight? Yeah. So I'd do that. Or like, oh, there's this cool bar in Williamsburg or wherever. We want you to shoot that. Is that how you met Frank? No. No. <laughs> so I, it, um, I don't know if I'm. Is, so what's going? So this is your. This podcast is supposed to be about music. So what's going on uh, in, in the music part? That's I mean you're meeting these people and you're doing interviews and and, and uh, you know taking photographs. But are you are you still participating in any music scene or record labels or record stores or have you started any of that yet? Or you're just still. Yeah, I mean, I was, at that point, I was recording a bunch of stuff on four-track recorder, okay. and I was listening to bands like The Makeup, and I was going to see bands, yeah, like Slant Six, The Makeup, Bikini Kill, and all that. Yeah. Um, and as far as, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't, I was buying a lot of stuff from the 90s yeah. at that point. It wasn't, you, so, so you, weren't, you weren't? I didn't get into that. European new wave stuff until a few years later. Yeah. So, and right, so this now we're like around 99, 2000 or so. Yeah. Is that about right? And uh, you're old enough to get into clubs now. And uh, do you remember what, you know, clubs were going on or, or uh, DJs? Were you starting to get into DJ stuff at all? Or was that just not really? You just go to parties. You go to like motherfucker you know party what? or something. I was DJing. In the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, that Misshapes party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a few other, I mean, played like parties that I don't remember until I saw some photos recently and I was like, oh, yeah, that. Um, or like, that's like, happy ending, what was it called before? Do you remember? I don't remember. Okay, so that, I mean, I found photos of me there in the white tiled yeah. basement I or whatever. I can't remember where it was. Um, but yeah, no, I wasn't DJing regularly. I think I was doing like once every six weeks or something. So, so, so this kind of continued for a few years. It's just like basic life learning and uh, figuring yeah. out what you really wanted to do. And, and, uh, I mentioned Frank before because he owns a restaurant and, uh, I don't know if this is skipping ahead too much, but, uh, he, you started working for him, right? Yeah, little Frankies. Little Frankies, and and uh, you were just a personal assistant. Was this the job you had after the New York Times, or was there something in between? 
I worked for an ad agency in between. Oh, Jesus. Do you even want to talk about that? <laughs> uh... Well, I mean, I did learn a, I learned more about the programs okay. and graphic design in general. Um, but it was the kind of situation where I would leave, try to leave the office at 8, and the entire office would turn at the same time and say, where are you going? So they just, Aren't you staying for... We're about to order from, you know, the newest, hottest, whatever restaurant down the street. <laughs> like, where are you going? I'm going home. And it was a problem. Oh, so they worked a lot. They well, yeah, they would be there till eleven at night, and then get back to work at eight thirty in the morning. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. So that that lasted a year, also, or. That lasted a year. Exactly. Yeah, and that led us to um, a few months before September eleventh. Okay. I decided to. I was living in the East Village on Fifth Street. Mm-hmm. And I decided to give up my apartment and put my stuff in storage. Okay. Which is really odd. It was like the month before. So it was August. And then I was just staying at my friend Echo's house on the Bowery. She had a place they called the Trash House because she would have a lot of I think parties. I've been there before. Yeah. Okay. She's not there now. I mean, she doesn't live there anymore, but she lived there with Harper Simon, uh, Paul Simon's son. Okay. And uh, his friends would come by. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, yeah, I was staying there while she was in France. And then September 11th happened. And then I actually decided I'm going to go to Paris. And Muriel, one of my best childhood friends, is still living there. And I was like, oh, I'm going to work there and work as a photographer. And I brought my portfolio and everything, convinced that, oh, I'll just walk into a gallery and get a show. And so I would just like go gallery hopping with my portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't get anywhere. Um, <laughs> that was it. I was working in New York City at a at that point at a, f- a boutique photo lab. Okay. So I was able to print all my photographs and make like, a great pre- portfolio. Um, and then, yeah, and then Paris, and then after September 11th, I was like, I can't stay in New York. Yeah. So then I tried Paris for six months and then came back. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Yeah. Well, that, that's why your French is so good. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, and so you're just like, okay, no. So this is 2001 or two now. And you come back move, to New York. B- move back to Williamsburg. And then, Get my job. I got my job back at the photo lab. Okay, good. That's, I was doing um, spotting prints. Which photo lab was tiny, that? that? It was, was called uh, Deposited, well, Bond Street Print Lab. On Bond Street, okay. Yeah. All right. So that wasn't, that's not so bad. That seems like a reasonable job. Oh, it's great. It was, yeah, it was a good job. And you get like full benefits and... Yeah, I could use salary. the dark room and do like very large photo prints yeah. um, on like Fuji Crystal Archive, which is like a really high gloss color yeah. paper, really expensive. And I could print any, because I was shooting four by five portraits okay. of family and whoever. And um, yeah, I was printing a lot of these portraits at work. And uh, um, so by by now you're you're living at the place you're, the loft you had on in Williamsburg now, or that you lived for a long time? 
Mm, south 11th Street. Yeah. You had moved in there. Yeah, I moved in there right after. Yeah, it was like um, probably mid-2002, like summer of 2002. Okay, and, and so what's going on in New York now? Was it different? Did you notice anything different when you came back or after 9-11 or... Yeah, there was a lot going on in terms of music and yeah. uh, techno, and but we're talking about a different kind of techno, like minimal techno. Yeah, uh, a lot of parties. There was that party called Spa. Yeah, which was on Thirteenth Street and <laughs> yeah. University what? or Fourth Avenue. But what, it was like on that weird night too. It was like Monday nights or something. Or like Wednesday, Wednesday or, nights. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun party. Yeah. With the, yeah, and that was like a. They would play all kinds of music. It would be like hip hop, electro, and techno, yeah, and, and rock, rock, and those like Strokes over. time or something like that. Was that before yeah. or after like Strokes? I think it was around that same time. Weird, and so um, that was yeah, and that, but that was like a weird time too because I really liked that time because it was it felt like it was really open, like you could go to a party and you would see like you know like Jay Z would be at the party and like. Paris Hilton and like old dirty bastard and then just like all these dirty skateboarder kids and like Harold Hunter and you know it was but yeah it was people like weren't the going kids, yeah, kids. it wasn't separate and it wasn't separate everybody just went because that was the one place to go to get fucked up and hang out and listen to music it wasn't like I'm gonna go see this DJ tonight you know it was yeah exactly um and uh I don't know what somehow that became something weird after a little while but I don't know what happened. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I went to there pretty, I went there pretty regularly. Yeah. I, for a long time. And then, then it was like a lit became a thing, kind oh, of. Oh, yeah, lit. And the hole, maybe. Yeah. And maybe there was even, was the Black and white. Oh, yeah. I think, does Caleb still work there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I think he still works there. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, but, um, so... By this time, your uh, music, you're still doing music thing. You're meeting more people, or just. I was actually recording music at that time. In your, in, I was in like your heavily life. collecting records. Yeah. I was starting to collect like German wave, weird underground cassette stuff. Um, this is internet is starting to boom, or. Yeah, I mean there was. Or? That was part like forums of forums and stuff like that, or was it more like a record store culture, friends or? I mean, it was both because I would go to record fairs and meet other collectors and yeah. get into. But yeah, I mean, online there. What was there, Napster or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think I had a lot of. Uh, I got a lot of music through there, yeah. and maybe actually met people on there or something. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still friends with people that I met on internet forums in 1999. Yeah. yeah. Like my closest friends, you know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> or like Yahoo group, you know. Yeah, yeah there was yeah. like Electro Disco Punk's Yahoo mailing list, you know. Where's yeah. the party at, guys? And, uh, so that, so th this is this just setting the way. So let's let's get on to, to what people know you for now. That I, I guess that's a, a, enough setup. Um, so... By this time, I, I keep kept wanting to mention Frank before, but uh, this is my. I'll give my version of the story, and you can correct me how you mm -hmm. want. Is I don't know if you left your job at the photo place or not, but somehow you started working for this guy Frank, who had a restaurant, and um, 
you were his personal assistant helping him live his life, I guess. I don't know what personal, you pick his drapes or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was sewing <laughs> curtains for the restaurant. Sewing curtains for the restaurant and then... Um, and then, oh, will you take those things off of my hard drive? Go to my house and get those things off of my hard drive and Oof. <laughs> encounter other things along the way. But, the, but, but from this relationship became our East Village Radio started. Is that correct? Or, or this was your idea yeah, or his idea? No, or? so there were other people involved. There was me, mm-hmm. a guy named George, and a okay. girl, Danielle, okay. who I think you I know. I Danielle. remember George, too. And George was uh, helping, him and his brother did construction, and they helped Frank when Frank was doing the extension of his restaurant. Okay. Because he he extended it and made it larger. Initially, it was just 19 First Avenue, and then he went into the next building. Okay. And this is Little Frankie's. Yeah. So then, at that time, Danielle, who was there first as his first assistant... Um, she was like, oh, she was telling me about Frank and, oh, yeah, Frank studied photography, he's really into music, yeah. uh, he needs more help because he's opening up this place called Number One Chinese. Okay. And um, in the meantime, so that was around the time that I started working part-time and... George, who had worked in Free Radio Austin, was talking to Frank about radio, just in general. And Frank had been a radio DJ in high school. So out of conversations that all of us had about music and radio and so forth, somehow one day, during the expansion of the restaurant process, there was this one storefront space that came with the space it was like a glass windowed storefront small tiny space and uh frank kept saying well i could put four tables in here and then we were like no we could put a radio station in there and it was back and forth like the money he could make by putting in the tables versus doing the radio so yeah at that point the radio station was born and it became uh first it broadcast from upstairs on the second floor upstairs in in the uh office the restaurant office and yeah we used uh nice cast or ice cast software and you even had an antenna on the roof for a little while yeah we were doing pirate radio until the fcc came and shut it down because of the article in the new york times (laughs) yeah that that um and then at that point we were we transformed into more of a digital streaming station that was kind of my job was to get that going strong even though i didn't really believe there would be such a presence eventually because it was such a new thing Mm -hmm. in 2003 so, yeah. But, uh, but, and then I was doing my radio show called Minimal Electronic Plus every Sunday. But I mean, but from what I, I had a show there, and I did a show upstairs, just so I yeah. might sort of know what I'm talking about. But from what I understood, you, you built the site and kind of uh, did a lot of stuff that, for me, I saw that you kind of, I don't want to take stuff away from other people, but it felt like you were the one really holding it down up there. Is this 
you, I like think you so. built the site you kind of like made it work like there were a lot of people up there pretending to do stuff but i don't i felt like you were the one that actually especially in the beginning like you probably did all the the branding we probably didn't even know yeah, it was called that yeah yeah or yeah, yeah no built, i was even doing, built I was the like website doing got the, the logos DJs. and doing the i mean i didn't actually the web designer we had a web designer yeah. who was also a dj okay um but i was doing like the logos and changing the logos around and i don't know i was just experimenting yeah. like, okay let's do it like this and then um I spent a lot of time with the streaming because there was always issues with the streaming. Yeah. Um, it was just, it just felt like a struggle. And then I was always researching how we could do, how we could stay on FM somehow. Yeah. Like, how can we do, can we get like portable transmitters and have multiple portable transmitters around New yeah. York City yeah. and have it broadcast everywhere yeah. by doing it in this other way? But, anyways, Danielle and I would talk endlessly about okay. our I radio ideas and what to do so i mean so for those of you that don't know uh this is she's talking about east village radio it was like a um a storefront you know just a really little booth with the glass window and, and there'd be a dj with turntables and you know, some cdjs i guess cdjs and uh you would stand on first avenue and people would walk by and steal your ipod or whatever um <laughs> so but this ended up you know this was like 2003 Till yeah. eleven or so. How, how how long did it last for? So two thousand four. Or sorry, two thousand fourteen. Okay, that long. So this was kind yeah. of a, you know it was it was a thing you know and like people there wasn't a lot of internet radio and even New York radio you know we had like the regular stations and like WNYU and WFMU but this became a thing and you know when people would come to New York they would want to play on East Village radio. It yeah. was like a thing, you know, even before, you know, it was during MySpace, I guess, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time MySpace, MySpace era. But so, you know, totally. this from this, you had your radio show and your radio show, Minimal Electronic Plus. Right. You discovered a lot of uh, new music that you, you know, eventually came to release on a label called Minimal Wave. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're sick of telling the story. I don't know exactly what the story is, but... Yeah, Somehow no, you became, you started a label called Minimal Wave. Because I had two hours every Sunday, and I never wanted to play the same music. Yeah, normal. Um, and but I had like a very specific kind of deep genre yeah. that you know I it was all about untapped music. So because I had the radio show, it was I was always on the search for more and more and more because yeah. I was really driven by creating interesting content for the radio. So through that, I discovered Oppenheimer Analysis, okay. that first band that I released. And uh, yeah, I released that in December of 2005. I built the Minimal Wave, original Minimal Wave website with Mark. Okay. And uh, then Echo helped me. She brought like the first 10 copies to other music and she was like, I'm going to help you sell them. And she'd go around through the record shops. And at that time she was working with us at East Village Radio. We got yeah. her a little job. And, um, and that's how you got your dog. Sorry. Yeah, that's how, I, that's how I got my dog, my beagle, who's not with us yeah, anymore. R.I.P. Hicks. Yeah. Um, so, but, um, yeah. yeah. So, so, Minimal Wave starts, um, 
and uh, with Oppen Oppenheimer analysis, uh, nice guy. Um, I think yeah, I mean, there were two. So there's Andy Oppenheimer and Ma Martin Howell. I don't think I met him. I don't know if you met either of them, did no, you? I met the one guy oh, who you came met... with his daughter, and we like, okay, yeah, drove yeah, yeah, around yeah. one day because he couldn't walk yeah, or something. Yeah, Martin, Martin. Yeah. Like He's a yeah, jolly, he was... jolly man. He passed away, yeah, sadly, yeah. but yeah. Um, so I, I don't know how. I'm, I, like uh, this, this is this is might be the part of the story where people start to kind of know a little bit more about you. Um, you know, then th at this point, your uh, your status maybe is you know once you have a label and you're releasing records and you have a radio show, um, then your your status is elevated somehow. And uh, maybe I don't know, you know. Is this true or not? I mean, and then you start getting some uh, recognition and maybe like start traveling and DJing across yeah. the country or more in New York or across the world or. Uh... Yeah, you know what? It was probably about um, two years after I started the label, two thousand seven. And you had probably five or six releases by then, or that. Yeah, I mean, all the uh, I had done the lost tapes, two thousand six. So, and then I did the found tapes, I think, um, yeah, around then, 2007, 2008. And, and then, uh, so. And then I, yeah, I started getting booked to play in Europe. Um, I was really freaked out about playing in Europe. Yeah, why? Because I was only used to like bars and clubs in New York. Oh. And I had this conception of, well, what's it going to be like in over there, where all the music that I love comes from. Yeah, it's a little different. But it would, you made it okay, right? Well, I actually, like... What was your first I brought gig? only Italo Disco Records to my first gig. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, where was it? And I think I was thinking too hard about what... It was in the, in the Netherlands. Where? I think in Amsterdam. You don't remember the club? I don't... I, I can remember, but I don't remember right now. <laughs> um, but I do remember people coming up and being like, oh, can I see that record? And, you know, what record are you playing? You know, when people want to yeah, yeah. see the cover. And I was like, okay, it can't be that bad, what I'm doing right now. I just felt, I was so nervous about it. Um, so you weren't, didn't play any manual wave, just... Bring no, my, that bring is my Italo. exactly like it's so wrong. I didn't play any minimal wave. It's weird. So, so, so you got booked there again after that, or not at that club? <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, you know what? I did. I do think I played that club one more time, but in a different context, maybe with dusting and oh, okay. just playing like real minimal wave records. Um, so, at that, so at this point, this is so minimal wave is primarily focused on releasing uh, old music. Um, how, how did you find most of this music? Was it usually, you know, through soul seek or, or, you know, this internet forums, or was it through meeting somebody and they knew something and, you know, do you have like a, a specific story you remember that of one that was really special to find and release or they're all special or an interesting anecdote you'd like to share that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it had to do with meeting other collectors Yeah. and exchanging cdrs yeah where i would we would say you know i have this on tape this weird american synth band and then we would transfer our tapes and do like uh you know make cdrs of cassette recordings 
But I mean, as far as one particular, I don't know. There are so many collectors, yeah, and there were yeah. so many. Uh, there's just endless music. It's all, it's we'll, all kind we'll of mixed that. up. <laughs> I think that. I mean, I think this is part of the story where it's pretty obvious. You know, if you you know you can look on Discogs and say, this is released, and you know, read the backstory or whatever. And um, so we don't need to talk about that. It's. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, we can. We can, but what I, bands in particular are you thinking of? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, um, I don't. I, I don't know a lot of the stuff. I mean, I, I met the Oppenheimer analysis guy once. To, okay, so w- with the Oppenheimer is actually these two collectors, one from France and one from Belgium. Um, the the members of the band or the people no, that told you about collectors. It? Okay, that had called the track The Devil's Dancers, but instead of having the band name Oppenheimer Analysis, it was their last names. Okay. Back to back. Mm-hmm. So it was a mystery as to who oh, okay. was the actual, who were the band, like what was the band called? Nobody really knew. So it just took a lot of research. Yeah. Um, and the, but how, so how did you eventually find? It was finding out that Andy was a nuclear weapon specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean the transition from their names to Oppenheimer analysis? No, I think for- it was actually probably a collector that had told me like this is actually not these and and after you found the, you found you found them before you found the name or not the collector but how did you find the band? Oh, just researching phone book Andy Oppenheimer and finding out that he this guy place. who wrote songs called uh, Men in White Coats and, uh, you know, The Devil's Dancers because and Cold is War is definitely the same guy who's a nuclear weapons expert oh, okay. in from the UK. Okay. Um, it just all fit together. Andy Oppenheimer online had, like, a small website of paintings of like nuclear clouds okay. and J.R. Oppenheimer okay. portraits. Okay. And, so you and just, the JPEGs were like this big. So you just hit the contact button? No, I wrote a letter to, uh, he was the B- a BBC consultant, and I wrote a letter to his, jo- to his office. Oh, and, the, and he sent you a letter back or called you or... I think he call. I think he actually contacted Martin, who okay. did the music, and he was the vocalist. And then Martin called, or at that point, I think they emailed and said, "Let's talk." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, then, so, and so that was like summer of two thousand five. But then, do, do that music was it ever released, or it was just? It was released on cassette, self-released. So oh, so it. so nobody had the rights. You could just you could just get approval from them and release it you didn't have to go contact some obscure label no 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 i I made a contract and had them sign the contract and um yeah nobody else had they had self-released it and and did you do is that do you do that for are most of the releases like that self-released a lot of them are but so did you have any trouble with any of the ones that were already released on a label or you just kind of yeah i mean the artists would have to contact like with the hardcore Yeah. from the UK, uh, they would had to because they were on Polydor for a little while, yeah. so they had to get that cleared. And um, you know, it's it becomes this limited rights thing. 
for oh. for the release only and so it's it really depends on uh you know how the artists recorded their music and it, whether it was funded by them and whether they just self-released and lots of the stuff that I put out like Dosting for example he was just self-released so that that is that and then you, it's easier to do it that way oh my yeah it's so much easier <laughs> so uh, is that yeah. i mean now i don't know oh, you do that does those japanese guy what's his to i can't even remember his name what's the really futuristic techno kind of japanese guy sympathy nervous yeah is that self-released he was on vanity records for a little while i don't know that and then he also had recordings that oh, he never released okay so like archives leftovers yeah no. Yeah, uh, no, no. He, the Vanity had rejected an LP. Oh, okay. But what's that was Van amazing. Where's Vanity? From Japan, an oh, incredible I, Japanese label. What do I know? You should check it out. I will one day. Um, so well, the, actually, the head of Vanity just passed away oh. a few months ago. Jeez. It's getting rough out there, everybody. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Well, all these people say. emailed me yeah, and they're like, say, oh, do you have all the rights yeah, now? And yeah, I'm like, yeah. R. No, R. because he every passed time. away. Um, yeah. So um, I don't, I'm, what, and so the, another thing about the label is that you, you do all the design layout. You're, I mean, that's one thing that uh, I, I, I respect a lot is that you do everything. It's, it's your label, you know, you do, you know, from the finding mastering. I don't know if you still do the mastering, but to design, mm distribution website like it's full diy um and uh, i think that's part of the reason why you got to where you are now and you're so successful because it's by your rules um was there any reason why you chose to do it that way and not like a use a you know a distributor get a pnd deal or something like that in 2005 when i started i didn't know any better yeah you thought it was only I first pressed 500 copies of the Oppenheimer record without any distribution and I sold them all like through the website into shops in New York um, and then shops overseas started contacting me like shops from France and Germany and uh, we want 25 copies here and 25 copies there and so I ju it just happened that way yeah and I didn't really know what a P&D deal was until like years later. Yeah. And it was never, it didn't, it just never made sense to me. Yeah. And also that, I mean, that time, 2003 to 2006, it was kind of like the void of records weren't selling. It, yeah. Right? It was a weird time. Like all the distributors went out of business. All the record stores were dying. Like yeah. nobody wanted records. It was like Napster or, or Bust, you know. Totally. The death of vinyl. Um, right. So I guess it does make sense now that I think about it. Um, and so now you're still doing the record label that way, like everything. You can yeah, I mean now I have come to your house. distribution to my office. To your office. Yeah. Now it's not in the house. Now there's an office. <laughs> Moving on up. <laughs> and I have a. I have a distributor. I have a few distributors around the world. So. I just do. Like I'm getting a lot of stuff pressed in Europe and then having it direct shipped to Germany, to the UK. You know what I mean? Yes, I the know. The few hundred here and the few hundred there. Yeah, and uh, um, just this is just a question that I'm curious about. Have, has, are, are record sales down lately? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's like half or something or a third even. 
I don't totally. think, think it's over. Yeah. It's you not going to be, over? no, it's not going to be completely over. There's always going to be collectors and there's always going to be records, but the, the, or I, it's a, yeah, maybe it's oversaturated because there's so I, many, it, it seemed like at so first, many records it being used pressed. to be, you would, you know, press a record and you could sell 500, 300 on the first day, pretty easy to your distributor. I don't know what your numbers are. And then now yeah. it's half or a third of that. You know, I mean, I don't know if the quality's down, or, but I would hope not. Yeah, but, but it's I'm different. Just checking with you too. Yeah, um, no, it's totally different. What are we gonna do? But the digital sales t- seem to be helping. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, right? digital sales are good. People buy that stuff, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we don't come from that generation, I guess. Um, <laughs> no. All right, what did I miss? I got a little list here. Um, I'm gonna try to. Um. So the other thing you have besides uh, releasing old. Records. You also have a label called City Tracks, which is a, a focus on uh, modern artists. Yeah. Um, what? How did that come about? Just uh, you knew some people, and that was kind of the same. And why not? Why? Why wasn't it Minimal Wave? Because uh, I wanted to reissue uh, the Z Factor album, the Dance oh, Party on, album. Oh. <laughs> so that's not a Chicago that's House even record. Modern, so it doesn't make sense. My question. No, but the starting point of the label was for anything that wasn't. Ah minimal wave anything just anything it, that was city tracks but that record is so minimal wave which one the, the dance party yeah. album yeah it's the same yeah tears yeah a little bit a little bit but my conception of it was not it was like not the same i was entering this to this old this other genre of house music you know chicago house and, and, it's different. And so how did that become, you know, the other, you know, you released like Medio Mutante and what was Jason and Aurora's band? Was that on there? Yeah, Inner Gaze. Inner Gaze, uh, Further Reductions. I don't yeah. Know what so how, and I. And I. Silent Servant Silent and Servant. So uh, how did it, English how, Club. How did it become from this reissue of a house record to these modern bands that are sort of well because it was just set up to be an outlet for anything that wasn't minimal wave so it could be old new whatever okay all right like it could have reissued a jazz record or whatever you got got some jazz ones coming up (laughs) (laughs) but um medio mutante they were all living in new york for a little while yeah i remember that and i had a lot of gear set up at my house and i was recording stuff and they were recording stuff, and then they came over and did some, yeah, they would, like, record some stuff at my place. But um, it was really spontaneous. It was just like, oh, yeah, let's do 500 copies of this record. Yeah. Um, we would have pressed a lot more, but one of the band members decided went, to leave the band, and he didn't want to be involved anymore, and he, went there was, like, a, yeah, a huge argument between all of them. Should we talk about that? <laughs> no. So, um, so medium, but they, but medium, medium. It's not. It is no more. But two of the members are bone. Yeah. So bone. Do you? Did you release that? No. Well, well all right. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't release it. But um, Mariana, I actually worked with her. Well, the City Tracks Volume Three. Yeah. Because I do these City Tracks series. Oh, okay. City Tracks Tracks Volume One, Two, One and Two, Three. Um, volume three was the opening track was a track by Amato, the hacker. Okay. And I always felt like, oh, it's missing something. So I hooked him up with uh, Mariana and she did the vocal 
And they collaborated and made this really cool track. So that was nice because she was like, I was working with her again. and Yeah, she's always fun. Yeah. Um, all right, what else do I got? So a couple more things I want to talk about. We'll wrap it up. Sorry, this is taking so long. It's okay. It's not wearing you out. Um, not at all. Um, so another thing, too, uh, that I want to talk about, I don't know if, I'll, I won't talk about that. That's too what? personal. Well, I was going to. I was going to talk about um, uh, your family, and you have a family now, and yeah. if if that's affecting your your travel and the label and production and it you know is. what what's going on, is that something that uh, I shouldn't talk about, or can I? Am I? Okay. You so, can talk about it. So so you had a kid. I have a four year old. And she uh, keeps me up every night. She she seems like she's <laughs> trouble. I've seen her on the street a few times. <laughs> She's smart because she won't make eye contact with me. Um, but uh, so you're you're here in New York City, which is not an easy place to have a child. Yeah, and then also you hard. have this job, uh, which is DJing, which takes you to far away places. Um, how how are you able to do that? It's just you're just lucky that your mother lives here and she's helping out. Or uh, yeah, um, I mean my mom is there for us every every time I go away. Yeah. So and so your mom comes down and stays at your place or, or Yeah, she stays at my place for I usually leave Thursday nights, yeah. late flight. I put Vale to bed uh at eight and then my flight's at like ten thirty or eleven. No, my flight's at like eleven. Yeah. And then I go play like two weeks ago I played Paris and Geneva and then I'm back on Sunday. Oof. And then it just starts all over. She I'm taking her to school Monday morning. You know, at seven, we're getting ready and going to school. Jesus Christ. And then I'm like, oh, I have to go to the office and deal with the delivery because that, you know, two pallets of records are arriving at like noon. And then I have to go pick her up at school at 2.45. So gets a little hectic. But she's, she's going to have a driver's license but, soon and she can go yeah, pick up the records. Totally. She'll be there soon. She, maybe she'll. She likes the office. She's like, I want to come to the office. I want to come to the office. Why does she like, why does she like the office? Because she takes the stamps, like the fragile stamps and the, all the mail stamps and she just. She's like tagging cars outside. <laughs> she likes making art with the stamps. You should give her some spray paint. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to get too personal with that. I just was, okay. uh, thought I would have. But, yeah, it. I mean, her dad is also DJing everywhere, so that yeah. makes it extra problematic Yeah. yeah. So as far as having another person to watch her. We'll just have to wait until she grows up. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, but, I mean, just, I, it's already, she's already four years old. It's, you know, I felt like. Yeah. No, that it's. That happened pretty quickly, I think, you know. It's, yeah. I guess because you're so busy, the time is flying. Um. So what? Uh, she learned. She knows how to swim already. That's good. But nice. just wait, because if she's four now, she's gonna. There's gonna be a moment where she might develop some fear and stop and regress a little bit. Really? Yeah, she's gonna realize that it's dangerous at a certain point. No, no, she. She knows. Yeah. Maybe. Just it might happen. Don't don't put too much pressure on her. Is all okay. Because okay. I've seen it happen. Okay. Be careful because sometimes she, they get they they I think realize she that. went through that she was screaming and or they'll like jump off the diving board and do a belly flop just, and like that's it they'll like oh, okay. they'll like do something they shouldn't do and it'll be like this sucks <laughs> and then they like won't like it anymore so just yeah, be, look don't that. push her too hard you know okay um, uh, and so uh, we'll finish off with, with with one thing is that you I ran into you on the street or you came by to see me and uh, you mentioned that you might be playing live 
pretty soon and uh, you haven't done that before. And uh, Yeah, how, no, I mean, I did. How, how are you going to manage that? I did. I played bass in a band for um, a couple of years. But isn't it going to be a little bit <laughs> standing up there by it's yourself? It's going to be different, yeah. I'm playing at Primavera. And that's going to be what, like in 30 or 40 people? <laughs> yeah, some thousands, I don't know. I've been there before, it's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it's not really the place for a debut live performance, but maybe we can do something unannounced no, somewhere. Uh, practice, practice, here practice in event. New York, in your apartment. <laughs> that sounds great. You could do it at the lot, you know, you just set up in the cabin and... No, I don't yeah, need something. Maybe. I mean, practice I mean show, it can't be broadcast, though. No, a practice show is always a good idea. I Definitely. Think, yeah, a, I need to. I need to. You I can mean, play I'm going to be a club down the street. Yeah. What's that place called? The Rock Club? Under a different name. Next, or what's something. the place called? Next to Acapulco? I yeah. I can't remember. I don't know the name. what it's called. Or Good Room or something in the Bad Room. Um, yeah. So, how, did you figure out the logistics of that? You're going to bring. It's going to be like a 808 Pro One and a. Guitar, I got all pedal. my, I got all of that gear out of storage, yeah. and um, no, I'm not going to bring that. But I'm preparing now. I'm like doing some. It'll be a combination of kind of like drum tracks that I record on the 808, mm -hmm. plus live synths and pedals. Um, and vocals with effects. But are you going to bring your stuff or put it on a writer? And, and I wouldn't try. Just... I don't think I want to bring my stuff. I think I'm going to ask to for have, some stuff. Because sometimes you get that stuff and it's like not in tune and it's like not yeah, the same you're as right. yours. You're right. But it's just, right. I don't want to scare you, but it's something. I, yeah. I think, I guess a one-on-one is probably always the same. Yeah. Stuff like that. But, and I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out. Don't let me scare you too much, but um, so that that's at Primavera this summer, and you're gonna have a secret surprise show pretty soon in, in Brooklyn here. Maybe, <laughs> maybe but practice one, practice session. But um, yeah, I won't I won't keep you too much longer. Um, I think that that it's went okay. pretty smoothly. All right, uh, I guess. Yeah. You can edit out any parts you want to um later maybe, um but uh, thank you very much for coming by. Is there anything else you w you would like to tell anybody or have any? thing you want to promote or something I don't know. new records coming out solo solo album um, no i don't have solo al albums anytime soon but um something you would like to do no um, there's a lot of minimal wave stuff there's a new city tracks record coming out lfdm this guy from the uk um yeah and the minimal wave stuff is the miz did you ever hear them from belgium the miz, the miz no m-i-s-z no, I don't and know. And then another band from the UK called La Sens de la Boheme. I don't know any. I and that, when you hear that track, it'll never leave your mind. It's oh, like a like little those. earworm. I like the poppy ones. I like. The, yeah, it's very poppy. The poppy ones. So, so we can look forward to everyone go months. go to band. Do you have a band camp? No. I've just started working a on a band camp. camp. When when the band camp gets up, go and buy everything. It's, on, on it's her. in the works. Yeah. It'll be yeah, minimal wave band camp. It exists. But it's now, just, for now, you can go. We're to filling it with content now. Minimalwave.com. Com, and you can buy everything on there. Check out all the news and website and uh, yeah. stories and photos and <laughs> yeah. all this stuff. But um, I think you know, 
that's uh, that's it that's it everybody we're gonna um go home all right sounds good thanks very much and uh see you next thanks. time <laughs>